0: I'm Melissa McHugh McGrath.
1: Melissa is this amazing dog trainer, podcaster, and author in Somerville, Massachusetts.
0: I train humans so their dogs are happy and well-behaved. And I'm Sip Sipperstein. Sip is a dragon veterinarian in Oakland, California.
1: Yep, I'm a doctor for bearded dragons, and bunnies, and birds, and other critters.
0: And you have just landed in... Totally Possum, An animal podcast for adults.
1: Each episode, Melissa and I will use our combined expertise to share amazing animal stories, give you an inside peek into our professions, go deep-ish into animals in the news, and maybe even reveal some tips that you'll be glad to know if you have pets at home.
0: Really, it's a zootopia party with fish orgies, and we're determined to have some fun. There will be swears. We're gonna swear. Fucking y- fuck yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. <laughs> I went to try to say both fucking right and fuck yeah, and it came out as fucking yeah.
1: (laughs) Melissa, with your permission, I'd like to start the podcast with some orders of business. Okay. First of all, I'd like to explain the gift I sent you in the mail. Oh. (laughs) So so, uh, for those of you who uh, listened to the last episode you will know that Melissa was seriously injured in a shoelace incident. <laughs>
0: <laughs> remarkable shoelace incident.
1: She has either torn a rotator cuff or torn some muscles or possibly had a brain injury. <laughs> <laughs> that was before. <laughs> oh, all, right. all right. And as a result, so it, it, when people are recording from two different locations, in order to sync up our sound, here's a little inside information insider information 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 um (laughs) in order to sync up our audio what do we have to do melissa
0: well we have to count down three two one and clap right but you need two hands to clap (laughs) of which i did not
1: have which she did not have so melissa was doing three two one
0: snap with like a little like my fingers Her little
1: fingers were going whoosh. And it was very hard to hear uh, when I would receive her audio tracks and try to sync (laughs) us up. So I sent Melissa in the mail a gavel. (laughs) Shall we hear the
0: gavel, Melissa? Oh, for sure. Order of business. Order of business. (laughs) (laughs) So that I could
1: clearly hear When Melissa, next time Melissa's severely injured in a
0: shoelace incident,
1: (laughs) I can sync up our sound properly. Not uh,
0: only did you send me a gavel, my favorite part of this whole thing was that after I I received this package in the mail with no explanation, and, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, Brian, did you send me something? My husband, did you send me something? He's like, no. I'm like, did your parents? It's a little early for a birthday gift. And he's like, no. I'm like, who who would send me a package and so I opened it and as soon as I saw the gavel with zero context I'm like oh it's sip (laughs) and I immediately and I knew exactly what it was for (laughs) and you aren't the only one to send me something my friend Trisha sent me a pair of boots that don't have shoelaces that will keep my feet warm (laughs) (laughs) oh like, you can't have laces anymore. You're banned. Here are some warm winter boots that I use on the farm that will be totally fine in the city. (laughs) The Melissa McHugh McGrath injury
1: survival kit.
0: (laughs) A gavel and a pair of boots without laces.
1: And I think it's particularly fitting because um, a couple months ago, you, Melissa, got me turned on to another podcast that you really like. Mm -hmm. You got me turned on to the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
0: Yes. It's so good. I mean it took you a few episodes, let's be honest. Like you were like, eh, I don't know, I don't know, but you kept at it. You're like, I got a text going,
1: He's he's growing on me. His dry humor, is growing And he's on me. definitely grown on me. And I was listening to him this morning when I wasn't quite ready to roll out of bed. Uh so yeah, so I figure then you could also feel that connection. I know, it's with so good. Judge John
0: Hodgman. Hodgman, if you're listening, you're not, but in case <laughs> you are the judge of all fake internet court. This is an homage to you for sure. <laughs> Does having the gavel make you feel very powerful? It it truly like you hold it as like, I am in charge of this four by two closet. <laughs> no one can take that from me. <laughs> So I have to be careful if I want to swing up that I don't hit myself in the forehead because there really isn't a lot of room to go with this. I but you yeah. see on
1: the video that you you there is a very um small
0: a matter of centimeters of clearance before you brain yourself. Yep. So um <laughs> in the event I go see my other friend in the ER who's an emergency room doctor at MassGen, uh she'll know why.
1: <laughs> yeah. There we go. Second order of business. I noticed, after editing our second episode, that our crack team of editors failed to notice that we mentioned I live in Oakland, California, in the opening credits, and that I see patients in and around Berkeley, California, in the close credits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're close. And, and yes, so... I do live a half block away from Berkeley, but but um, we will clean up that sneaky inconsistency in future uh, end credits. <laughs> also, uh, as a, a matter of a business, uh, is that while we emphasize my interest in exotic pets, I do see dogs and cats. It's just that my exotics practice became a much larger percent of my work in the last six years. But when I speak of dogs and cats with Melissa, I'm not always just making it up.
0: <laughs> I never even thought of that. I mean, <laughs> dogs and cats, they're just basic. <laughs> just, they're so basic. And yet so important, which brings me to the
1: third order of business. That in the last episode, we talked about some of our pets, but we only discussed our dogs. And mm-hmm. in future episodes, hold on there, cat lovers of the world. Cats will be addressed as far as our, our pets at home. I just didn't want anybody to feel left out because there's more to come on, on pets we own or have owned. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or... Intentionally or unintentionally. Right. So I have a quick story up at the top in in that my friend Donna, she's my co- my co-conspirator at New England Dog Training Club. We're both the co-training directors and she she stopped by it's my birthday. She came by with a present, a donut from one of my favorite donut shops, a shirt that says y'all need science and a bunch of whiskey because some people just walk into this Into your life, just knowing who you are. And she knew exactly who I was. (laughs) Like science, whiskey, and donuts. And so Captain sees her outside on the porch. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I'm going to put a long line on him so he can come over and say hi. Because like COVID here in, in Massachusetts is still quite serious. So I put him on his long line. We've got our masks on. And Captain goes over to say hi. Now, because of social distancing, he hasn't been able to say hi to a lot of people. And his name is Captain Love. And he loves people and he he particularly loved sip and he showed that same kind of love to donna (laughs) with the tiniest little lipstick as the meeting is going on he is at full attention (laughs) and our our poor porch has so many splinters that like I am concerned for his health. And we have already had a tick on his penis incident this year. Where I, oh, during dear. COVID, have had to call the animal hospital that we both worked at, going, yeah. hey, I have an emergency tick situation. They're like, you're, you're able to handle this. I'm like, um, nope. And I explained <laughs> the situation. I'm like... I could rub Vaseline on this. I'm not gonna. This is what you're paid to do. So, like, I roll in with the emergency tick on a dick and they take him. They remove the situation. They clean him up, put him back in the car. I hope I made their day and not made it worse. And then I'm just watching him today, six months later, with this situation transpiring on the porch, going, Oh my God, I cannot call them in the same year with, Hey, guys. Remember me. Captain Love. Yeah, tick, tick, yeah. Um, Splinter now. (laughs) Splinter. (laughs) Got a splinter. Got wood. Poor guy. He, yeah. So crisis averted. We could see what was happening. We had to just kind of scooch him off the deck. But like, yeah, we had to wait for Donna to leave so he could come back down to a half mast, as it were. And um, yeah, so Captain Love continues to live up to his name i have
1: your absolute money-making scheme oh and that is the the prepuce mitten the pr- it, oh like, oh <laughs> you know the little little mitten that goes all the way over the whole <laughs> whole boy she, part there The whole done. oh god I mean, it could come with the booties, like, for the winter. you know, they have the four <laughs> booties for dogs, exactly. and then you just have one more.
0: Oh, my God. It could be, like, the love glove that you <laughs> <laughs> for your lip-sticking boy. So uh, I'll close this segment. <laughs> Order in the court. Order in the court. Go on to our next segment.
1: I'm really going to get us in deep here, Melissa, because I'm going to cover a subject today that
0: is not going to be controversial at all. (laughs) It's not going to
1: be controversial at all. I'm going to say two things to start. One is it is difficult being a pet owner and interpreting the packaging and advertising around pet food. And in this case, we're going to say specifically dog and cat food. And that we're going to get hate mail. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Now, when I say it's difficult to interpret the information that's out there, whether it's the person at the pet food store who's trying to, to sell you something or the very pretty packaging or all the statements on the packaging, there's just a lot that as a consumer sounds good but as my husband would say sounds good but (laughs) 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 and then your bullshit meter should be up um and but it's hard because it can sound really good I mean things like meat should be your first ingredient sounds really logical and as Melissa as you know um grain-free diets have become very very popular
0: very in vogue very chic And
1: it's it's just very difficult to hear that stuff and not have it sound like it makes sense. But the reality is that nutrition is a lot more complicated than meat should be your first ingredient. It doesn't necessarily have to be one of my favorite pet peeves is animal byproducts ooh evil (laughs) And, and in fact a lot of animal byproducts are extremely nutritious and yet it's been made into you know animal byproducts become such a set of dirty words that people go running screaming away and and the pet food companies of course you know for the most part in the businesses of selling pet food it doesn't mean that some of them aren't doing an excellent job but if the consumer wants something, there's gonna be a tendency to give the consumer what they want or what they think they want. First off, I will say that there are a few basic things you can do when it comes to you know general pet foods, commercial pet foods to um, arm yourself well. One is check that there is a basic AFCO statement, A-A-F-C-O, and that is a statement that is is sort of the bare bones does the product have in it the very basic nutritional recommendations for that group of animals and I won't go I'm not going to get into some of this stuff too much I'm going to try and hit on the high points
0: but like puppies are going to have a different need than say a senior dog or an or an adult dog cats Correct. are going to have a different nutritional uh need than dogs but what but. isn't necessarily going to happen, at least my understanding, is a visla isn't necessarily going to have, unless it's a working dog, isn't necessarily going to need a different food than, say, a Shih Tzu. Because adult dogs are adult dogs. They might need different foods based on what the vet would require, right? But, like, they wouldn't, but. like, as long as they're adult, healthy dogs, like... You wouldn't need a breed-specific food, correct? Correct.
1: That, uh, for the most part, that is absolutely correct, uh, with the exception of maybe certain health issues.
0: Sure.
1: Now, there's a difference between the growth rate of small breed dogs and large breed dogs. Small breed dogs are going to be fully grown at a younger age than large breed dogs, who take longer to develop their um, joints and bones. So they'll need, those large breed dogs will need to be on a puppy food for longer. But... There, there are just these very limited things on pet packaging that's actually regulated and actually means something. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not going to break that down into all its parts, but if you look at our podcast notes, we will have a link in there uh, uh, to AFCO and that organization and what they do and what information they provide and what information your pet bag of pet food is not going to tell you that mm. is necessarily legally monitored or controlled so the things i tell my clients are look for the afco statement ideally for an additional statement that says that it's been afco trial tested or that the, that the company has done trials with animals to see how they do on that food mm-hmm. But the other things that, say, smaller companies that sound very good, mom and pops, you know, home-baked whatever, you know, dog uh, kibble, they probably can't afford to have a board-certified veterinary nutritionist on staff. That's a veterinarian who's received lots of extra training and sat for their veterinary nutrition boards to have that special, special title um, to advise those companies. And... That those companies are large enough that, th- that they can be regularly testing their assembly line, their, mm-hmm. their product as it comes off the assembly line, that the batches are meeting the requirements that they expect for that particular food. And so if you're not in a position to do those things, that's where things can slip through the cracks. And you may, even a company that has very good intentions, may not be in a position to actually be producing the product you expect your pet to get
0: one thing that I hear as a dog trainer when I go into people's houses and like I'll have students that will ask like so what kind of food do you feed your dog and what and like what should I be feeding my dog I'm a trainer I shouldn't be answering or this is not a field in which I am educated in that I am first in um I have been on the same dog food forever because it was the only one that didn't make our greyhound sick and our border collie did okay on it. And then, so we just kept it up with our current dog now. Um, he's not sick. It's nutritionally complete. Our vets have said it's cool. But me going on the internet and typing in what food should I feed my dog and going down into the bowels of Reddit to try to figure right. out like what the vets aren't telling me. It, the thing that really bothers me is when there are... And this is where I think the hate mail is going to come from. When people who are in the business of selling food are coming at veterinarians for, um, they're not nutritionists. I'm sorry. They went to vet school. (laughs) They know the basic strokes of like how nutrition works and how it impacts certain animals. That's part of, going to school for this and yes there are different board certifications that you can get like board certified nutritionists that you had mentioned earlier but asking a dog trainer or some guy on the internet about what food that should be fed because like unless your vet specifically says your specific dog has an issue and we can work together to figure that out I feel like Feed your dog what works for you, the best food that you find that you like that is working for your dog. But if it's not working, it's not working. And don't come at the vet for trying to sell hills or science diet and then say that they're just in the business of selling food. Those foods are nutritionally complete. That brings
1: up uh, one of the other points I wanted to discuss, which is wouldn't the healthiest thing be to prepare your food at home to make homemade foods? And the answer is that that is so much harder to do than anyone imagines.: Yes. Yes, it sounds good that we go to the grocery store and we buy the organic whatever, and we, you know, poof, poof put it together. You like that noise, Woof woof. That's woof, how woof. what it sounds like
0: when I make food.: No, mine just sounds like a string of cursing, and <laughs> <like people laughs>
1: ah, yeah, get that's more out. like what happens if I try to prepare food. But in fact, getting the nutritional balance correct in a pet food is much more complicated than anyone imagines. Yes. If you have the calcium and phosphorus ratios out of balance, you can cause joint and bone problems and muscle contraction problems and heart problems. Before I ever went to vet school, there was a heart condition in cats that wasn't, you know, super, super common, but it was common enough that, you know, you expected you would see plenty of cats in your career that had this condition, uh, dilated cardiomyopathy, uh, It's thinning of the heart wall and enlargement of the heart. By the time I went to vet school, they taught us about it and they said, you're probably hardly ever going to see this. It's known to occur in some purebred cats, but ever since they started adding taurine to the diets of cats, to pet foods, Mm -hmm. this condition has gone away pretty much. Oh Wow. I mean, can you imagine a condition goes away because one ingredient was missing from cat, cat foods on the shelf? They That's put that incredible. into the recipe. And if you're making foods at home and you do not have these proportions right, you can end up with an animal with all sorts of problems. And I won't get into the vegetarian thing except to say cats and dogs are not vegetarians. Correct. But if you are someone who wants to make pet food at home Many of the recipes online have been tested and are not nutritionally complete. If you want to do it and you're devoted to doing it right, you need to meet with a board certified veterinary nutritionist, probably at a university or a large referral hospital and have them work with you to create that recipe.
0: Right, that's not something that you're just going to be able to pick up on the internet just because some guy no. says that it works and and no. that's the thing that's really scary is that the good thing with the internet, you can find out anything. The bad thing on the internet is that you can find out anything. And, (laughs) and in this particular case, when it comes to animal health, like, you know, like, I can't tell you, I mean, I did tell you about like the woman in the uh, dog group on Facebook that was like, she was saying that her dog was, seemed to be waking up with some kind of issue and was barking in the middle of the night and seemed out of sorts. And it was a 15-year-old dog. And she and her husband were like, we don't know what's going on. We are going to see the vet. It's going to be a few days, but like, is there something we should do in the meantime? And everyone was like, nope, just see a vet, see a vet, see a vet. And and I just remember thinking, wow, this is going really well. (laughs) This never happens on the internet. And then of course, (laughs) of course, because it's on the internet, some person logs in and goes, oh, hey, you're going to think I'm crazy, but you should get a paranormal expert and not see the vet because I think it's ghosts. And she was like legitimately trying to dissuade this person. She's like, well, when it happened to my dog and we brought in a paranormal expert, they said our house was haunted. And that was why my animal was worked up in this way. I'm like, and then everyone was like, no, no, no. See the vet. (laughs) Please do not take this seriously. (laughs) Like anything on the internet can be described as, well, this seems like an easier, probably less expensive option. And nobody wants to pay a ton of money for advice. But here's the thing. If you don't, you're going to end up with an animal who's going to be really, really sick. If it goes wrong. So this is the place to do it right. And if you're going to be dedicated enough and put in the effort enough to like want to make that food for your animals, great. Put in the extra effort and talk to that board certified vet. Please don't usurp a vet and say that you know more than that veterinarian because you probably didn't go to study how (laughs) nutrition works. Reddit isn't study. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: I, I'm going to bring up two more points, and this is where where even more of the hate mail will come. One is about grain-free diets. And about two years ago, reports of dogs, in particular, cats as well, of a certain type of heart disease started to spike up. And the question is, where was this coming from? And this is still being studied the jury is still out. However, there may be a connection between grain-free diets and this heart disease showing up more and more. And it may not strictly be the grain-free part of it. It may be the the type of food that was put in its place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, these legumes that were used to put in the place of grain-free, or in the place of the grains. That there may be some association between that and this prevalence of very serious heart disease. Now, Mm -hmm. the good news is, in some cases, you'll get the grain back in the diet, and it may be somewhat reversible. But in some cases, it may not be.
0: So you can just give Ritz crackers and pizza crust, and you're set.
1: And you're set. (laughs) Is that what
0: you're saying? Is that your professional? You're not helping Melissa. (laughs)
1: If you only tuned in for those seven <laughs> seconds, you're in trouble.
0: Because what uh, I'm
1: hearing is <laughs> so, you know, there can be serious consequences to. Gee, grains sound bad. Let's do grain-free. And it turns out grains are not actually necessarily bad. They're they're accused of causing all sorts of health problems in our pets. That By the
0: marketing di- industry. Not exactly, but did not health. come
1: from science. Right, Most allergies, skin allergies and so forth, come from proteins like chicken and beef and not necessarily from grains. Now, any ingredient may not agree with your pets to justice system, just like any individual ingredient may not agree with one of us. But this, this is a serious business, and as they explore this further, we'll know more and more. However, I cannot recommend, at this point, grain-free diets to my clients. Now, here we go, Melissa. Are you ready?
0: Oh, is it breeders? Oh, <laughs> okay. Now the hate meal's going to be really... <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll do it. Um. So bre- <laughs> your breeder is not a veterinarian unless they're a veterinarian. So if they're sending a puppy home saying that this dog can't have this food or this protein source or this because this line of, let's say, doodles, not to, not to throw shade at doodles, um, but this type of doodle cannot have chicken. Well, that feels like if that's the case, the vet should be telling you that, not the breeder. And and I do work with a lot of people in my puppy classes who will come in and say, no, my breeder said he can't eat this, or my breeder said this, or my breeder said that, and that's not to throw all breeders under a bus. Um, hashtag not all breeders. A little but late for that. I know. <laughs> How'd that bus feel as it ran over you? Sorry. Um, but like, there are awesome breeders who are actually looking out for the welfare and, and well-being of these puppies, but there are... In my industry, when people come to us after they acquire the puppy, he can't have this because my breeder said no. Well, did your vet say that? Because your vet knows more about your animal's health than your breeder giving you a line that works really well for marketing or, or to make your puppy seem like it has a condition that it might not actually have. But as a trainer, I can give training advice. Breeders can give breeding and line advice and veterinarian should be able to give food and health advice. When a breeder is going into the other two pools, just be cautious. Just take that with a grain of salt. Just like if I say something medical, like your dog's limping, maybe you should go get it checked out. Like that's as far as I should go, right? <laughs> like, So what was the, what were you going to get people mad at, Zip? <laughs> 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 you know, I could just let you keep saying, you know, talk to your vet. But
1: I, thank you; you just, you're, you're just taking care of business for me. No, I was. Gonna, I have the gavel. That's Order true. in my court. <laughs> I was going to discuss raw. Oh yeah, so raw diets. Here are the reasons why most veterinarians will not recommend raw diets. Most of them are not nutritionally complete. There is no reason why a pet should need raw food. Now, maybe some of those those ingredients will be somewhat more bioavailable or something like that, be taken up a little better in the system. However, raw diets come with salmonella and even in intestinal parasites, worms. If you're pet doesn't manage to get sick from salmonella or some of these other bacterial infections. Think about you. If your pet is being served a raw diet, what is that raw diet had contact with that your family members might? Or what happens when your pet licks you on the face and your three-year-old kid gets really sick from salmonella? (laughs) There is no proven nutritional reason to feed a raw diet And it can be a health hazard to your pet and to your family members. Another way I can put that is there is no such thing as the wild pugs of the savannah. Oh my God, yes. We are not feeding wild animals. We have bred and bred and bred these animals into a different form of creature that is not going to be necessarily resistant to some very, very dangerous infections. So...
0: All I could think of is those, and I really want a comedian to to put in the effort to make this work. Those, like, I think they were blue buffalo ads where they had the, inside your dog is the spirit of a wolf. Yeah. And in it is, like, this wolf. who, oh, And he's howling. And then, like, it cuts to, like, this visla running powerfully through the woods. And he's got the, like, the run. And he's got the hunter green collar. <laughs> and then... It goes back to the wolf, and he's just, like, prowling over this elk, and then it cuts back to the the Vesla, like, jumping over a log in the woods. And I really want them to do this commercial with, like, the derpiest pug, where they, like, inside inside your dog is the heart of a wolf, and it's like, ooh, and then it cuts, and it's, like, this pug walking into a window, (laughs) like, or, like, a Labrador with just, like, a stick and it can't, like, get through the doorway with it. Or, like, right. <laughs> or like <laughs> the spirit of a wolf. And it's, like, my dumbass dog with, like, trying to jump on the bed and just totally biffs it and misses. Like, I I want to see that compilation and just see the honest marketing because it's really what it is. In the in the long and short of it, all of these companies are trying to sell products, and while that's great, we all got to eat. When it comes down to it, the biggest argument that I hear against like going rogue on food is that vets don't know what they're talking about, and that really insults me as a friend of a vet and as somebody who <laughs> believes in science. Um, and data and knowing that as somebody who is not a vet, I have to trust the experts that I am paying for and trust with my animal's care. And if I can't trust them to help me with my animal, why do I, like, I trusted them enough to call them to say, I have a tick on my dog's penis. Help. Like, who else was I going to call for that? (laughs) Seriously. Like, we trust them enough for all of these other things. Why wouldn't we also trust them with food thinking that it's big vet that's trying to sell you dog food when really all you have to do is walk into a, a pet store boutique and just see all the shiny packaging and marketing? So just really think critically right. when you go. And and really, right. like, if you have questions, see a board-certified nutritionist or, or at least get resources from those sites that we'll have linked. Right. sit back, put up your feet, let me tell you a little story about fish orgies. Finally! <laughs> deafening, deafening fish orgies. <laughs> like, some freaky fish sex. So, there is this fish species who mates, well I mean I guess they all do, right? Because that's like how <laughs> other fish... Well, most. that's how Most. Oh boy. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> so, In this case, when a boy fish loves, like, a thousand girl fish very, very much, he makes (laughs) an irritating sound. (laughs) And because almost all of this kind of fish, the Gulf Corvina, they all meet in this one area to signal for a mate. And this all happens in about 27 kilometers. So all of these fish show up in Mexico uh, to do this mating ritual. Um, it's spring break it's totally
1: spring break <laughs> it's college spring break
0: <laughs> Woo! um, and so there are over 1.5 million of these fish all coming together for the largest fish key party every year <laughs> and it's turns- party and it turns out it's like one of the loudest most naturally occurring and I guess in like some cases unnaturally occurring sounds in the entire ocean with sounds reaching over 200 decibels now I have no sense of whoa uh, right that you seem to understand that I had to look this up a jet engine taking off is 150. so if you're standing right behind the jets as the, as it takes off that's 150 decibels this is over 200. Um,
1: amazing
0: right so they are having a good time so I'm (laughs) they are not like a college kid bringing his girlfriend home for the first time to like his childhood bedroom and trying to be quiet no they are oh for it quiet mom will hear (laughs) (laughs) like the squeaky bed (laughs) has nothing on these fish So, like, I wonder if the other orgy fish are just side-eyeing these guys and thinking, well, great, they're going to ruin it for all of us. Can't they just be cool? <laughs> and you have, like, the little fish police roll up and break up the orgy. <laughs> like... <laughs> and I just want to know who would be the fish police. Probably some just angry crab. Uh... <laughs> But I guess, like, fishermen say that it gets so loud um, that Barry White himself can't sing through it, nor can fishermen hear their own boat motors. These fish are actually deafening other marine life, like sea lions and dolphins and other fish. And you would think that the sound would be problematic to these fish, but I guess in the throes of excitement, they don't care. But they literally have bigger fish to fry with the sound because their audible orgy is problematic for the fish. But not because they're deafening themselves. It's because they can't hear the fisherman boats either. And they're caught with their like little fish pants down. Right. They are, <laughs> they are easy pickings for these fishermen. And with one fisherman net being able to catch two tons of fish in a matter of minutes. These lady fish are not the only ones attracted to this horrible, horrible sound of, like, (laughs) fish sexcapades.
1: I was wondering that. I was wondering if it's, like, a great signal for time to scoop up the fish. And it is.
0: It is. And fishermen are flocking to this scene, not just, you know, for some, like, only fan fish content, but to, like, make fish bank. And this is actually really threatening this population of freaky fish freaks. So yeah, that's that's the uh, the fish orgies that we've been teasing for weeks.
1: Wow! And yeah. and what kind of fish is this? What's it
0: called? They are called the Gulf Corvina. Corvina? Gulf Corvina. It's Regina. Like, I have no idea. It's C O R V I N A.
1: Oh, the poor Gulf Corvina! They're so frisky.
0: <laughs> they are very frisky. So
1: horny that they. Don't notice that they're
0: getting eaten. (laughs) All I can remember is when I was way too young to have watched this movie. I had a friend who, like, her parents worked really late. My parents were just, it was the 80s. So, like, no parents were around and we were in the middle of nowhere, Maine. So, like, her parents had this movie called Porkies. Yes. (laughs) And there was, I was like nine when I saw this. I didn't even know what sex was. While we're watching this. And there's this whole scene with like a woman. It might be a teacher. Like the details are fuzzy. (laughs) This is like 30 years ago. Um, Of like this woman that when she has her own personal fish orgy. Like like, that's a really good time. She makes a lot of noise too. And she howled I guess. And that was like kind of a running gag through this whole movie. That I didn't understand until much later. But but, yeah, all I could think of is just, like, an ocean of that woman going, ooh! <laughs> like the Porky's Fish.
1: Yes. We'll just call it the Porky's Fish. The Porky's Fish. Nicely done, Melissa. Thank you. Excellent. Yay! We are all, all educated.
0: We are. <laughs> it's it's Corvina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's that. We're at the end of the podcast. Holy crow, where does the time go? But we'll be back. And I can't wait. Our music is by Jason Shaw with additional music by Ableton Live. Thanks to, well, chocolate because I love chocolate. Same. You can find more on our show notes or visit our website totallypossumpod.com And now, all that's left is shameless self-promotion.
1: Melissa, bring us all of that, you terrificality (laughs)
0: <laughs> i am a certified professional dog trainer outside of boston massachusetts the author of considerations for the city dog host of Wilderbeasts another podcast for curious folks but unlike this one totally safe for work and all ages you can find more about me and my projects speaking engagements classes presentations blah 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 at melissa mcgrath.com now take it away sip
1: I'm a veterinarian who loves to work with exotic animals in and around Oakland, California, the operator of Zuzu's Puddles Productions. And when I'm not treating hedgehogs, box turtles, and parakeets, you can find me painting my toenails purple. You can find more about me and about exotic pet care at drsipvet.com.
0: That's D-R-S-I-P-V-E-T dot com. You can reach us both at totallypossumpod at gmail.com. Send us your topic ideas or questions or send us weird, bizarre, or silly animal stories, including those not really ready for Billy's grade school science lab project. Think more along the lines of sexually transmitted diseases of koalas or opossum private parts. It's a penis. It's forked. It doesn't have to be R-rated, but it helps. So that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Hug your pets if you got them.
1: Unless you have a pet snapping turtle, in which case I do professionally advise against it. Ouch! (laughs) And respect those
0: opossums. Or as we say, stay possum. Stay possum. Snap. (laughs) That was fun. We did it!